This is Report to Wyoming. This episode, I sit down with Cheryl Hackett. She is the Director of Development at the Wyoming Rescue Mission. For the first part of this episode, I get to know her a little bit better, and then we dive into talking about the mission and what they do and things they have planned for the future. Last night, me and my husband drove the girls around, and we were looking at all the Christmas lights. That's one of my favorite things. So then I was wondering if you have Christmas traditions that you look forward to. Oh, with my family? Mm-hmm. Um... You know, driving around and looking at Christmas lights, that is definitely something I try to take the kids to do each year. So I have five children. They are uh, 10 to 18, so four boys, one girl. So that is very busy in addition to working full time. Um, I think a lot of traditions have changed a little bit just with the transition from being a stay-at-home mom to uh, working full time because it is so much easier. But I think just really trying to be intentional on what are some of our favorite traditions and making sure to get those done. So I know we're going to try to watch a Christmas movie tonight. I um, love baking. Haven't done a lot of baking this past year just with being so busy, but um, the kids have some recipes that they really enjoy. So we're going to plan to do some baking, uh, put up some more decorations, um, you know, I really, I love to read aloud to my children, and again, with getting busy, that's kind of fallen uh, fallen to the wayside a little bit, but I think pulling out some of our classic Christmas stories and reading stories, lighting candles, and then a really fun craft, we made them for teacher gifts one year, a fun idea to give to people, is you get the little peppermint candies, and you can uh, unwrap them and you melt them down in the oven. I can give some more specifics later, but then you shape them really quickly and mold it onto like a little, so it becomes the shape of a candy bowl. Oh, yes. And actually my son just said, can we do that again? So it's always interesting to see what traditions are meaningful to your children that you might not think have made such a difference in their lives. I'm looking forward to that because mine are pretty little right now, but... Yeah, we're starting to have traditions because the five-year-old, she knows what's coming. The two-year-old, not so much. You heard her screaming in the background on the phone. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to them going, can we do that again? Right, absolutely. And I think that would be some of my best advice as a mom through the years is thinking through what are a few intentional things that even if everything else gets way too busy, pick one or two or maybe three things that you want to do consistently every mm-hmm. year, and then that's what your children will remember. We just put our tree up yesterday. So <laughs> I, the busy thing, I'm like, wow, that's hard because I had a schedule where I was working three days a week, which kind of seemed perfect, and now it's every day. And I've been doing this almost a year and a half, I guess, and I'm still not <laughs> – I haven't hit my stride. Right. My car is a mess. It's either the house or the car or whatever. So how do you do it all? Five kids. I can't even imagine. You know, I think the thing is you don't do it all. I think you have to decide each day what are the things that you're going to do. And I think um, a big thing that I've learned is give yourself a lot of grace. That when you're doing the best you can, there are things that are going to slide. And I think, again, going back to being intentional, what are your priorities today? And what are you wanting to do as we're heading into the weekend maybe identifying out some family activities and some goals for that. So, yeah, never feeling like you have to do it all because we can't, but just choosing what are the top priorities that I want to make sure that, hey, if I get this one thing done today, I'll feel really good. And then you can add more things in. Are you a Casper girl? 
So I actually was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I came to Casper in August of 2001 when I started my uh, career in broadcast journalism at K2TV, which used to be over by, for the people who've been in Casper for a long time, it used to be um, on 2nd Street by where Kmart was, which is where Sportsman's Warehouse is now. And then I went over to KCWY 13 when they were built, and I anchored and produced the morning and noon news And I left in 2005 um, when I had my first son, who is now 18, and then I went back to the station in 2015 to host Moms Every Day. So I feel like, you know, I've spent more than, well, about, not more than, exactly half my life now in Casper, and it definitely does feel like home. When you first cut your teeth as a journalist, what was that experience like? Because I'm just selfishly curious. You know... It's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Was I, did I become a journalist because I love talking to people and hearing their stories? Or, you know, I love talking to people and hearing their stories, and therefore being a journalist was a natural fit for me. But I would say that has always been something, whatever role I've been involved in with work, um, one of the aspects that I'm most fascinated about is learning who people are and what is their unique story, which definitely comes into play now in my work at the Wyoming Rescue Mission. Um, but just, yeah, taking that time to ask questions and and think critically about issues. And uh, I feel like, um, you know, what's been happening to local news in, in the past years has certainly been unfortunate. We used to have such a strong, um, you know, local news presence here. And I know, obviously, Town Square is still here and reporting, and, and thank you for that. Um, but We're clawing our way. <laughs> yeah. Right. It is hard. I think that's, it's devastating. So I definitely want to get your thoughts on that. And I think the model of it's kind of changed and stuff. So just having the experience that you did, it's crazy how much things have changed in such a short amount of time. Right. And I think another interesting aspect is, so we don't have as many reporters here. But each of us, I think just by having good connections with others and conversations and communication, that's one of the things I love about Casper is it still feels like a small enough town that it's hard to go somewhere and not see someone you know. Right. And so I think, especially as we head into 2024 and still coming out of COVID, prioritizing connection with others and, um, you know, just talking through issues and getting to the source of what is true about this issue. So, yeah, you know, maybe there's not as many reporters, but it can be an opportunity for us to connect with others, I guess, in those everyday coffee conversations and things like that. I agree with you. I think when I started, I was sort of, it was like weird to me that we're making this product for free. People aren't paying for it. It's the advertisements that pay for it, which means that we're beholden to clicks. And so it's it becomes this weird, vicious thing where we'll have writers who can kind of stumble, I would say, because they just want the clicks. But it's not a, you know, sometimes our ethics just get thrown to the wayside. And when I say us, I'm talking about all reporters. And so I think that's, and that's even national news. Like, 
you see it happening. It's and people are consuming their news on um, their phone or largely Facebook, which surprised me. I didn't realize I wasn't really getting my news on Facebook before I started. And then I, we have um, people doing our data numbers showing that, yeah, that's where all of the clicks are coming from, most of them, I should say. So it's very bizarre. And that's not the way it used to be. Even maybe 15 years ago, it was you subscribe to something and therefore it's going to be a better quality. Um, we live, I feel like, in a day and age, too, where everybody wants everything immediately and fast. So that's hard to contend with. As a reporter, I'm always like, I wish I had three days to marinate on this and really get to talk to everybody. But you don't. They want us corporate, like us, to put four stories out every day. Right. That's crazy. So, And even in, like, our packages and news used to be about a minute 23, a minute and 23 seconds. You still remember it. I still remember it. And, uh, and even that now, you know, with Instagram and I think people – you know, certainly if we post something on the Wyoming Rescue Mission Facebook page, you can see when engagement starts to drop and you really have about, I don't know, 10, 20 seconds, I feel like, to capture attention and say what you want to say. And then you can watch how people start trailing off. And, you know, I think there's so many factors that that create that, I guess, consumer culture. We're all so busy, going back to what we were just talking about, about priorities and what are we intentional about every day. And it's just kind of like the you know, let me digest this quick now. And um, so maybe that's another thing. Maybe we slow down in 2024 and try to be more present. Slow down. Slow down. I like that. That's a great mantra for the new year. Last question about journalism before we get into the mission. What's one of the stories that you look back on? I'm sure there are many, but what's one of them that you were most proud of? Well, I guess I have, if I can say two. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> one is hard. Um, but I, I will go with one. So one, and then I'll tell you the second one if you want to use that too. For sweeps, which I don't know how many people know that term, um, ratings periods. We always try to think of something that would be interesting. And I remember doing a story on the foster care system. And I interviewed a foster mother who had, I think she had taken in about 100 children. Oh, my God. In her, you know, her time being a foster parent. And she took in the babies that had fetal alcohol syndrome or whose parents had been using drugs when, you know, when the, when the baby was in utero. And so that caused so many issues that the, the infants would come, you know, they would just be crying. They would cry for hours. And it was just so fascinating to talk with her. And then um, I interviewed one of her foster daughters who I believe she and her husband adopted um, but just the the amazing resilience of people in our community and the generous nature, which I think will transition me into the Wyoming Rescue Mission, but just how, how so many people give and they go through hard things and they, they give of their time, they give of their resources to support others. Uh, so that was a story that really, really impacted me. Uh, to see what she did and it wasn't easy and just the difference that she made in so many lives and then the second story is um, when the Saratoga sawmill closed down um, the impact that that had in the community I went and I talked to the school because so many of the families were leaving Um, so that was back many many years ago and and just how that was going to affect their community and that is a good segue into generosity. The mission 
wouldn't be possible without the generosity of people. Maybe I should first ask how you got involved in the mission. A good question. So the Wyoming Rescue Mission, uh, officially our mission statement is that we restore homeless lives back to community independence with the love of Christ. And the Wyoming Rescue Mission was started in 1978 as a collection of churches coming together to say, how can we alleviate suffering for the poor and needy in the community? And hence the Wyoming Rescue Mission came to be. Um, Back then it was the Central Wyoming Rescue Mission. We've since since transitioned to the Wyoming Rescue Mission. Um, And so to answer your question, how I came to work for the mission, I uh, was serving as director of development at another organization in town and saw that the position was open for director of development at the Wyoming Rescue Mission and just really started praying about it, uh, praying for God's direction in my life. And I love that as a Christian myself, it is a faith-based environment and it's so impactful and encouraging to see the difference that that God makes in people's lives every single day, how hope is being restored to broken people. Um, I think ever since I was a little child, I just really had a lot of compassion for hurting people. And, and so to be able to help hurting people and see a light come back to their eyes, you know, that they're starting to have hope potentially for the first time for a brighter future um, and work in a faith-based environment It was just really um, something that I felt was the right step for me at this point in my life. And most of us, I think, have an idea of what the mission is. But would you elaborate a little bit more? What is the mission like for you when you go to work every day? Absolutely. So um, to answer that from a slightly slightly different perspective, if someone found themselves homeless or we also help people who are poor and in need, so anyone in need of a meal can come to have a meal at the mission, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. But for people who find themselves homeless, they can come down to 230 North Park Street, and they're partnered immediately with a caseworker and given a back-to-work plan. I do want to clarify, um, sometimes I'll hear in the community that people cannot go to the mission because they're not Christian. And I just really want everyone to know that we serve all people from all walks of life. No one has to profess any faith at all. Um, You know, people from all sorts of lifestyles are welcome. They will be uh, treated with dignity and compassion. And so they're given a back-to-work plan. They have a a bunk that that is reserved for them that they can stay and sleep on. They get the three hot meals a day, um, a hot shower. And what's really neat is people going through our discipleship recovery program have different chores to do and they can earn some small income from that to help them save for their return back to community independence. But let's say I was a guest at the mission, my laundry each day I could put in a bag and it would have a special number for me. Let's say my number is 26. And one of the people going through the discipleship recovery program would wash, will wash my laundry on its own, like not with other people's, and then dry it, fold it, and return it to my bunk each day. And we've heard stories of how that has been really touching to the guests who stay there to know like, wow, someone cared enough about me to do this. Um, And all of this is made possible because of caring and generous community supporters who, you know, give of their time as volunteers or their resources 
as uh, financial supporters to make it possible for the lives to be transformed. And just wondering, when did the mission start? Right. So the mission opened in 1978. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, there was the original mission. And then there was the old Park Street Hotel. And then in 2018, we built the new facility, the Park Street Center, which allowed for the space to really be doubled and brand new facilities. Um, And so just for so many of the people in the community that supported that capital construction, just want to say thank you. Because if you, anyone's welcome to come for a tour. And I think when people step in, they just feel like it speaks of dignity that even though someone has lost everything, they still have their human dignity. And, you know, because we are a Christian ministry-based organization, I can say, you know, we believe that all people are created in the image of God and have inherent worth just from that alone. And so, um, yeah, I just, I would hope that when people walk through the doors, they get a sense of that. I should check it out. I'll stop by for a tour. Absolutely. Yeah, we could do a photo gallery. Because it's always, yeah, you hear about places, but sometimes it's hard to picture them. And so that would be very cool. As far as funding, I think before I started recording, you were telling me half of the money um, comes from donations to support the mission and make it possible. And is it 50% comes from Rescue Treasures? Yes. So Rescue Treasures thrift stores, there's two. There's one on the east side of Casper on 2nd Street and then one on the west side on CY Avenue. And when people shop there or they donate, you know, gently used clothing or household items, sporting equipment, um, there's a list on the website of what we are unable to accept, but most things we can accept. So the donations then are sold, and that is a revenue stream for Wyoming Rescue Mission. So it is um, essentially when someone's shopping there or donating, that is a donation to Restoring Homeless Lives back to community independence with the love of Christ. Uh, The money stays local right here. It directly supports the work of the Wyoming Rescue Mission. And so we have that budgeted where half of the revenue to be able to do what we do um, comes from Rescue Treasures. And then the other half comes from individual donations and grants from foundations and and individual um, individual families as well. That's kind of cool. I will donate to Rescue Treasures. I've never shopped there, but I think I will. I'll check it out. Absolutely. There's so I many love thrifting. great finds. I know. And and uh, each store, you know, has slightly different things. So I know uh, I used to be able to thrift a lot more when I wasn't working full time. But, um, yeah, it's always it's fun to see what you can find and, and pick up for a good deal. And there's so much. Everybody wants new everything all the time. So I like the idea, too, of just... We don't always have to have brand new things. It's nice to give them a second life or a third or fourth life. Absolutely. So one of my personal beliefs is thrifting is just great. Like um, if you want to talk about going green, it is a really good way to recycle items that still have a lot of life left in them, whether that's clothing or, um, you know, maybe some electronics or, uh, you know, I know it's ski season. There's, There's skis. There's different types of sporting equipment. I actually just got a a small little carry-on that looks like a backpack with wheels, uh, purses. You know, there's so many things that are there that still, like I said, have life left in them. But instead of going to the landfill, someone else can use them. And also, um, you know, 
you're saving so much money, which helps your budget, your family's budget, when instead of, I don't know, let's make up, instead of $100 on a brand new coffee pot, for example, maybe a coffee pot's a bad example, but maybe, yeah, Yeah. you can find a used one, and then if we're using the example of a coffee pot, just run some vinegar and water through a few times, clean it, and you've just saved, you know, a lot of money, maybe $50 or more, and so, um, yeah, I think people can be proud to thrift and and you know sometimes I hear a misconception that oh you have to be um, I guess the term that would be used is poor to shop at the thrift store right no like anyone anyone can come I think it's just good financial stewardship to say you know if you can spend two dollars or ten dollars on something instead of 20 50 or a hundred you've just saved that money which can allow you to you know Everybody has bills, groceries are expensive, or you can save that money and be generous and give to others. So um, just definitely invite anybody to stop in and check out the store. I love thrifting. It's been a minute. You guys acquired a piece of property recently. Yes. So the Hank Raymond Recovery Ranch is out near Esterbrook, uh, which is outside of Douglas. And we were offered the opportunity to purchase this property from the Episcopal Diocese of Wyoming. So our Discipleship Recovery Program participants have been going out there for about the past five years. We've been using the land from the church, and um, and we are just so blessed and grateful to have been offered the opportunity to purchase it and to have had some donors come in um, to make that possible. We're still in the final phase of raising the last half a million dollars to pay that off. Um, but for the people going through the discipleship recovery program to be able to experience going out in nature where there's no cell phone service and to have an opportunity that, um, you know, to, to stay out, for example, if we were going to take a family vacation and go to a ranch in Jackson, I think everybody knows right off the top of their head, like that would cost a pretty penny. And so most of us may not be able to do something like that. And so for people who are coming out of homelessness and addiction to be able to experience going to this beautiful camp, it is, it is truly so breathtaking. Um, that is just a blessing for them from the very get-go because most of them have never had an opportunity like that in their entire life. And then to not have cell phone service. So there's no distractions. They can just focus on one growing in their relationship with God to um, solidifying the recovery and it's just very calming and therapeutic on you know their nervous system a quick aside is that three of the primary causes of homelessness are addiction trauma and then mental health and so someone who's coming from trauma or also maybe struggling with some mental health and then certainly that can lead into addiction, to be able to be in a calm, serene, tranquil environment is just so therapeutic in itself. Um, and then the guests will often be baptized there. And uh, so we are excited about the future of this property, looking for, um, you know, how can we utilize it year-round. And, um, yeah, just super thankful to the people who have stepped forward to generously provide this opportunity. What kind of activities do they do on the ranch? 
Are they the horses? We made a video recently, and it looked like, you know, what the guests were doing is just having a great camping experience. Um, there's cabins. They have cookouts, hiking. Um, there's this beautiful uh, it's like a pond surrounded by rocks, so it's a hidden a hidden gem. Uh, so getting to that, it could be a swimming hole, I guess, if it's warm enough in the summer. There's basketball and volleyball and plans, tentative plans. You know, we're looking at how can we incorporate in horses and, and have that as part of the recovery model there. And then uh, lots of Bible study. Um, and for the people who choose to be baptized, they will have the baptisms there at the camp. And so such a special experience. And then for the last bit of this podcast, I did want to kind of get into how you touched on a little bit, but the role that addiction plays in homelessness and just kind of taking everything from people. Um, so by the time the mission sees them, it is, you said, the number one cause was it so right now for example in our emergency services program we have about 156 people staying with us so it's up slightly i think because of the colder weather but the three primary causes of homelessness are addiction mental health issues and then trauma and so right now i guess in november 30 percent of our guests were with us because of substance abuse issues 18% were there because of mental health issues, 11% due to employment-related issues. So if you think about it from the terms of if someone starts drinking too much or using drugs, now that can and often is caused because there is some type of trauma in their life, that someone is turning to chemicals to cope with emotions. So if you're drinking too much or using drugs, then it probably will be difficult to maintain employment. And if you lose employment, then what happens next? Then someone is going to be having difficulty paying their bills and maintaining housing. So that's kind of how things start to spiral down. Um, you know, for example, Marshall, one of our guests, who's now in our sober living house, he completed the whole year-long discipleship recovery program and he's featured in our Christmas newsletter, which people can find on our website. Uh, but he started just drinking too much because of the stress with his work. And eventually his drinking spiraled to the point that it cost him everything. And he ended up at the Wyoming Rescue Mission, wanted to turn his life around, went through the Discipleship Recovery Program, which is our year-long program where that life transformation really happens if people think of it like almost a mini college level course Monday through Friday 8 to about 5 people are taking bio classes recovery classes they're getting vocational training they're getting servanthood training um, and that really helps set them up for success when they return to community independence a quick statistic is 83% of the people who have completed that program are maintaining sobriety and employment a year after completing the program so we're seeing such positive results um, but yeah I think substance abuse is just a huge problem in our community it is and I was wondering yeah if it's gotten worse it's probably hard to measure but if it's getting worse or it maybe just seems that way interestingly um, our executive director had had talked he talks often with you know the city and and has learned that there's about 300 to 400 arrests per month here in Casper 
75% of all of those arrests are due to alcohol-related issues, 20% are due to drugs, and therefore 95% of all arrests right here in Natrona County are due to drugs or alcohol. And so that is really extreme. And I think going back to my history in journalism, I know people have been talking about it, I've been hearing it, you know, getting questions on it. When people perceive there being, let's say, a homeless problem, getting back to those critical thinking questions that someone who may appear to be homeless may not necessarily be so. It may be, and what the statistics are showing is there's a higher probability that it is a person who is probably unemployed and has a drug or alcohol problem. So how do we help those people? And, you know, when someone hits rock bottom and wants to turn their life around, we at the Wyoming Rescue Mission are there to offer hope and, and help people get back to community independence. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answers are, but I think the answer that we provide is a relationship with the Lord that can provide hope for people to turn to God and grow in their faith so that the things that would cause them to turn to chemicals, they're learning new coping skills to cope with. You know, we all have stress in our life, we all have pain in our life, and so what are we going to turn to for help with those things? And that's what we offer at the Wyoming Rescue Mission is we offer a different, we offer a different answer. We offer faith and life transformation and hope. This has been Report to Wyoming, presented in the public interest by Town Square Media.